Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi Mila. Hello. It's episode 62, The Kindness of Strangers Bearing Bad Omens. The synopsis for this episode is Morgana leads a terrifying manhunt in pursuit of her old foe, Alator of the Katha. Poor Alator. Poor Alator. Then I finally recognized him. I was like, oh my God, you. I like you. We, we like you. It's fucking Gary Lewis. I love him. Oh my God, I do too. Bradley explained that he was very disappointed that he's been on Marlon twice and he didn't get to work with him. Oh, yeah, I would be disappointed too. Since we're talking guest stars, it's also Sorica Cusack playing Finna. Uh, thank you, Bradley, for the assist because I would have never gone for Sorica. He just happens to know her daughter pretty well and got a little tutoring session on how to say that name. Very nice. I love her too. She's amazing. She's so good. She's wonderful as Finna, and it's in one episode. You can get so attached to a character. This is, what, three episodes in a row? Yes. Which reminds me, I think I have some housekeeping from the last episode. There was something I didn't mention that Angel mentioned in the commentary, but how she wished that there were time in the show for Gwen to deal with the fact that she's done some horrible things. She killed Tyr while she was possessed. And we come to this episode, and she's totally fine. Like, nothing happened. So there's they just skip over the, the emotional and psychological damage that would have happened to her. Yeah, they do. Everyone is... The beginning of this episode, everyone is extra happy. I'm like, wow, we got over things pretty fast here. We did. Speaking of the beginning, let's just get into it. Oh no, Alator is getting chased. Poor Alator. I know. I knew that something bad was going to happen from the beginning. I was like, ugh, why? Can we just agree that that's the status quo for the next few episodes? I mean, this is from, from now to the end. Don't expect any cheerfulness to enter Great. the picture. I'm so excited. Yay. <laughs> Soon we'll get Guys, to the Guys, I just you quit, quit again. <laughs> yes. Good. I'm glad they're in the same page here. I quit again today. Because I said you did. that if I lose Kilgara and Gaius in the next three episodes, that might be too much and I might die too. So it might as well quit. It might be safe. That's the message that I sent Sonia. It might be safe for me to just quit now and be alive. Because some people can't see our faces, this is a bit, it's a real bit. Like we're doing it. It's happening in our real lives. She actually texted me that she's quitting more than once now. Uh, it's not a bit that we're putting on for the podcast. It's just a bit between us as people. Yeah. And it gets onto the podcast. Um, she's not quitting, but, you know. But I want to. There are people who do a thing that I've heard of, which is not watch the last episode of a show, so it never ends. That's not true. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's 100% true. There are people who are like, I haven't watched the last episode because I can't. To which it's already ended then. Because you stopped watching. I mean, look, it's not because you didn't watch the last episode that the show keeps going. The show ended, whether you want it or not. It's a complete denial way to go about it. I will say, if you'd never watched the ending of a show, there's no getting disappointed by how a show ended. Because we're getting close to the end of Merlin here, and therefore close to the last episodes of this podcast. And I'm going to be real authentic with all y'all and get real honest here. 
I'm starting to feel a little stress about delivering a really great last episode of this podcast. And I'm putting it all on myself. None of you did anything. Mila didn't do anything. No one's putting the stress on me but me. That is just how I roll. Sonia is for real stressed out. She also texted me about this. <laughs> because I was like, oh my God, the episodes and we're going we're gonna to be done. She's like, oh my God, no, don't say that. I mean, I texted you that I'm mostly excited and I may be a little nervous. So I'm not super stressed, but, and this is nothing compared to the stress of ending a major broadcast television show that is watched by millions of people, but I've been around people who are ending shows. It's it's a stressful thing to do as a writer and an EP, and it's a lot of pressure to deliver. I don't know that most shows end and most people are satisfied who watched it. It's really hard to satisfy people with an ending. So with all that said, look, the podcast is easy because we're just going to say what we think. But writing a fiction and having to create a world and then end it, I can see why I can see why people go that route. I can see why people are just like, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to watch it. They don't want the disappointment. I mean, I didn't watch the last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. Um, I will. I will when I have the time. Well, I've said it before on this podcast. I'm a completionist. If that's not clear to everyone, that just means I can't. I have a compulsion to finish it. Even if it's a, for example, I had a friend tell me to watch a show. He wasn't super clear with me. How bad of a show is. That he was basically telling me watch it because it's so bad. He was like, watch it. It's pretty bad. So I was under the impression that he finished the show when he was saying this to me. I watched six seasons of this show and then went to talk to him about it and he said you went all six seasons and he told me I stopped after one I couldn't believe him because he knows I can't stop it doesn't matter that it's bad I need to finish I need to know how this goes where they went even when it's terrible so that anyone can just not watch a finale is so beyond my capacity as a person to do that I mean, and I usually like to watch because I don't read spoilers before. So it's not like I read somewhere and I'm like, oh, I already know. I don't need to watch it. I already know what happened. I don't like to read it. I, I really, I try to not maybe follow too much on if I'm watching a show. And I try to not be on Instagram that much that week because everyone is talking about it. If it's a show that everyone loves. I really don't like spoilers. I don't. Like, to, I like to watch everything as it happens. So I don't know. There there are some people that just read about it and are happy. It's so funny to me that I don't think they read about it, though. I think they just don't want to know. The point is, we come to this episode, we're getting close to the end. We're immediately back to the main storyline. She's after Alator. She wants to find Empress. She's full steam ahead now. And she kind of was in the last episode, but because it was just a collective of three minutes of Morgana in the last episode, you really were in the detour. You were in the Gwen story, not in the Morgana's actively looking for Emrys story. So we open this episode and we're actively in that story. Full steam ahead to the finale. And you can't quit. Let's keep going then. Again, you can. It just takes effect as soon as we finish the last episode. She's already quit, everybody. I will present my letter of resignation as soon as we finish the last episode. So... We go from that darkness to a sweet, sweet scene 
which we got kind of three episodes ago and we're rehashing it. And I am grateful as the viewer because what I said a few episodes ago was this picnic is so fun. I'm just really bummed out the whole time because I know Gwen is faking it. That is true. And I wanted more of this. I wanted more of the three of them. I like their dynamic and it's fun to see them back to their real selves. Arthur is super weird happy. Merlin and Gwen are like, what? Weirdly so nice and happy. They're like, this is not are you under a spell, Arthur? Yeah. Gwen and Merlin are commentating about how happy he is and how weird it is. And it's all going so well. The whole time I'm thinking, don't try to lull me into a false sense of security. I've been through this too many times with this show. I know what's coming. It won't work. I'm not even paying attention. I'm like, I know that you're trying to sidetrack my brain here. It's not going to work. <laughs> We've had it. We won't be tricked anymore. It's not going to work. Although it is it is super nice. I do I'm happy to have the Gwen Merlin dynamic be them versus Arthur a lot of the time. Merlin sees something weird with the tree. He picks up a really pretty thing. Looks like a brooch. And uh we move on with our day. Back in Camelot, we come back. It goes from that really nice vibe to oh my god, there's refugees everywhere in the courtyard. Yes. We go back to Camelot, I'm like, what happened? Literally, what just happened? How long have they been gone? <laughs> They've been on a picnic for like 17 days. How <laughs> long? They were just there two hours ago. Two-week picnic. Yeah. The refugees are from Odin's Land, from a city called Helva. Uh, Sir Leon never has any good news. He's bad news Leon. Oh, my God. That's what I have in my notes. Bad news <laughs> Leon comes in. Because, <laughs> I mean, at this point, this is his role in life, is to make sure that everyone knows something terrible is happening. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, bad news. Leon comes in with all the info. Morgana, of course, duh, hello. But we get a really interesting tidbit here. Only place magic is legal. And I'm like, how? How? Maybe you and Morgana should just move there. Why didn't, Why wasn't the advice for Morgana, kid, just move to Helva and you'll be fine? How did we not hear about this before? That there's one sanctuary place where you can practice magic. I feel like that's an important information. I don't know if it was stated out, right? We went to see Alator with Morgana in that city. He wasn't acting like he was under persecution. He was just living his life. There is a tone a lot of the time with Uther and Arthur and other kings about, oh, is magic also illegal in your land? It's never a given that it's everywhere. It's, it's very specific all the time that it is Camelot. That is very true. The sentence is always magic is illegal in Camelot. In Camelot. That's why they're attacking Camelot. Right. To which I'm like, just leave Camelot. Easier solution for this whole show. I fixed it. At some point, you have to abandon this idea that you have to live in Camelot for the rest of your life, right? Just an idea. An idea for Morgana. She's so upset. But moving on. That's not even the hole I want to poke. We'll get to it. And there are holes I want to poke. Especially because no one's a bigger hole poker than Bradley James. Oh, he ruins it with the commentary. Yeah, he does it in interviews all the time, but he did it in the commentary today, and it was actually pretty funny because I didn't think of one. He's a master at it. I look up to him in this way. So back home, Gaius is investigating this brooch. It's beautiful, and I love it. I love it, too. Props to props. Props to props, as per usual. There's a lot of Emerus mode going on. I gotta go take care of business, not listening to anyone's opinion. Love you, but no, you're wrong. I gotta go by. So in the forest, Merlin investigates further, finds the cart, finds papers, and we get the all of a sudden wide shot 
to give the feeling that he's being watched. And I just have to say, I love his pony. I've said it before, but I do love his pony. It's adorable. It is adorable. Back home, Merlin's brought these papers. There is a shot of Merlin. I mean, Gaius is doing his investigative stuff at this basically like a drawing table. That's what it looks like, yeah. There's just this shot that got me because I don't think I've ever seen Merlin sitting still reading a book like he's relaxed and having a cup of tea. Guys is talking and he's so chill that he's like, what? I'm sorry, excuse me. I don't know if it's this whole Emerus thing he's on, but he's just so relaxed. Yeah, I really don't know. He's just like leaning back, reading the book, drinking some tea. And he's like, yeah, it it, it is like a non-anxiety mode that I don't think we've ever seen before. Merlin doesn't usually get to relax. So when I see it, it really strikes me as something happening. <laughs> Doesn't last that long because Gaius is trying to lecture him about how risky this all was. He's not even listening. And then it's all, can you translate it? It's in Katha. Of course it is. And then he finds Alator's signature. And Detective Gaius immediately knows everything he needs to know. Morgana attacked Helva to get Alator, which means that she's after Alator because she wants to know who Emrys is. That's the whole thing. This is what I mean about a few episodes ago, maybe more than a few now. When he doesn't get it, I'm confused. Like when it was old Morgana and he wasn't getting it. Oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm like, really, I'm like, I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to rehash <laughs> something that we already talked about. We're going to move okay. forward. But yes, I understand because this is, it's immediate. It's like, look, this is what happened. It's Alter. Morgana probably got him. And he's probably going to tell her that you are you. And Merlin's like, no. It's like, yeah, not willingly, but Morgana will do something that he will tell her. Right. And then we have a problem. They would have a problem. So we do cut to Morgana, who is going to question Alator. But we get a really good explanation from Alator that torture is not going to work on him. And then we get the rebuttal with Morgana's favorite little pet, Anathair. I was like, oh, the snake's back. <laughs> it's classic Morgana. Poor Alator looks a little worried. And she's all, I want Emrys, crazy lady. I'm going to take this opportunity to say she has another castle. I don't know if she's collecting them. I mean, she sits, there's one scene, it comes later, but she sits on the throne and I'm like, you have a throne, you have a castle. Why? Just stay where you are. Stay where you are and leave us alone. And technically it's exactly like the council chambers because it is the council chambers. You know, it's all the same how many castles does she have now? More than Arthur? Five. I was counting. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. I'm like, why? I don't understand you, Morgana. There's no explaining Morgana. She's crazy. I love the her screaming Emerus, and then we cut to the curtains opening, and it's Merlin's shining happy face, and it's very, Merlin, don't wake Gwen up. I want to surprise her with a breakfast. Very whispery. Yelly whispery. You know, when you're trying to yell and whisper at the same time. A hundred percent. Of course, we all know. And later we'll know that Gwen knows. If he wants to surprise Gwen, it's going to be Merlin who does it. So go fetch her breakfast. I adore the reaction to the line, what if she wakes up and panics? Panics? Panics. <laughs> Panic. Really? Really? Also gets the directive to go get some flowers. To which we cut to Merlin going to get some flowers. I mean, yes, Finn is watching him. We don't know who she is yet. She's holding a dagger. It's very scary. 
how long is Gwen going to sleep for? Because by the time you've left the castle and gone to, I mean, Merlin's been gone two hours by the time he gets back to that room, right? I don't know. Maybe you, because what I think is he, you walk back downstairs real quick, go to the kitchen be like, hey, this is what happened. Need to prepare breakfast for the queen. And he's like, I'll be right back. And then he runs outside, takes some flowers, talks to an old lady, comes back. Half an hour max. I don't know. I that's that path is pretty far from the front of the the courtyard. He has to go through the lower town. You get a horse. He's not in a horse. But he doesn't have a horse. <laughs> Whatever. Look, and this is not my nitpicking moment. It's just funny to me because I'm like, how long is Gwen gonna When we go back to Gwen, she hasn't moved a centimeter. And it's bright daylight. Look, I'm just making fun. It's fine. He gets to meet Finna. She's pretty creepy. You don't know at this point. She seems kind of really on edge. She's not got nice things to say. She's like, the great battle's coming, Emrys. She seems like she has urgent matters. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I didn't see, from the very beginning, I really didn't see her as threatening. I really didn't feel that coming out of her character. And I believed her from the beginning. I mean, I don't think she's threatening, although that whole standing there waiting for him with a knife as he walks by and doesn't see her there, probably meant to confuse. I think she seems neutral to me. I don't know. I can't tell. But I'm a viewer who trusts the character that's always right. So when Merlin says she's fine, I'm like, she's fine. <laughs> right? I trust your judgment. She gives a little, hey, the battle's coming. Danger's close. Uh, I got to go. I'll see you later at this uh, temple in the middle of the night. Come along. Oh, don't come at all. Merlin gets breakfast up to Gwen forgets the flowers I do love this whole klutzy thing that happened with him and he falls down and Gwen thanks him and Arthur's all annoyed listen Arthur and he's merely so happy he's like you know she always knows she's always like thank you <laughs> thank you Merlin she knows she knows who she married she does it's important so Merlin makes his way back home I love this drawing I love the pencil, this prop. I don't know if you spotted it, but it's great. So great. It is so great. And then we get another one of these story time with Gaius. It's kind of history time with Gaius, but it's not history I learned in books. We're back to, hey, when I was a little boy, these women were chosen and they're called the Bendry and they're super powerful. She's trying to lure you. I, just, I loved the Richard Wilson lure. It's very British. It is. He's not happy. He's really pressing on the fact that he's worried that Morgana's looking for Emrys. This woman knows you're Emrys, so she must be bad. Even though, come on, every Druid knows he's Emrys, so I'm not sure why. And he just meets random people in the woods and they're like, hey, Emrys, what's up? More people know he's Emrys who have magical powers than don't. Right, because everyone has heard from the story of Emrys. It's like Santa Claus. It's like, look, this Emrys guy is going to come and save us all. So everyone has heard of this. Right. And... You know, I like this story time of these girls that were chosen at birth and taken away and trained, but only the most, most, most powerful were part of part of the nine. Amazing. So he says she's not one of the priestesses, but she's still very powerful because she got trained by this program that takes you away from your mom when you're a baby. Yeah. Gaius wants it to not happen at all costs, though. He's super exasperated and doesn't want it to go ahead. He is sure that it's a trap. He's like, look, this is Morgana setting a trap for you, just like she did with the druid boy. I don't blame Gaius for thinking that because it is very possible. It literally just happened. Here's where it gets me, though. 
It's guilt. It is. I know. He's freaked out that if this goes forward and it's bad, it's going to be on him because he told Alator. So the guilt turns into guilt tripping. So he guilt trips Merlin into saying he won't go. Which, this is one of those situations, though, when if you coerce someone to promise something, have they really promised? Are they, are they to hold to that promise when you've put them in the spot? I've been in that spot. I promised something I didn't want to promise because I was being pushed into it and I was kind of stuck. And then you just regret it immediately. <laughs> I regret it and I'm, you, my friend, I am really serious about my promises. Not even promises, just commitments. I will not back out unless I have to out of something. So I'm very hard to get to say yes to something because once I say yes, I'm locked in. And I've been in the position where someone made me promise something that I didn't want to promise and then I had to break the promise. And I was just like, well, what did you expect when you forced me to say I wanted to do something? So Merlin, I just don't understand because Gaius is pushing him to say he won't do it, but he's going to do it. We all know he's going to do it in that scene. We all know that he's not really serious about what he's saying. He's just saying that, I'll say that to calm you down for now, and then I will decide what to do or how to do this. Yeah. Now, there's a scene here to further confuse you that cuts to the Temple of Eryu where they try to trick you because it's just Finna alone talking to a raven. Gibberish, gibberish, gibberish. Not real gibberish, probably. Katha, Katha, Katha. Spell, spell, spell. Uh, Morgana Pendragon. I wasn't tricked by this. I knew. I was like, she's just sending a letter to him and he's with her. So she said, Morgana, there you go. It's a good trick though. Come on. It's probably worked on some people. It is a good trick. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it worked on most people. Um, it's hard when you're like, when you've been dissecting this series for so long and then it gets to like the last four episodes, you're like, oh, this is supposed to trick people. It doesn't trick me. No, I mean, we know the writers pretty well. There's another trick in this episode, but yeah, they they're trying. But they do make sure to, I think they make sure to put that in there because Gaius is about to do something that is so shocking. They want you to be on his side a little bit. They have to put the doubt in the mind of the viewers, even if they are not completely tricked, a little bit of a doubt to not make it seem like Gaius is crazy. I agree. I thought the same thing. Right. Because he goes to Arthur and rats her out. Which I'm like, Gaius, you're making your lives harder. It's this episode is really heavy to me because not only is this not a great look on Gaius, and you, again, we talk about how they write the characters really human. You're not good all the time. You're not bad all the time. You're both in different helpings, and that's... Somewhere in between there. And how much you are of one or the other is where you land. But, you know, you're even if you're good, you're a little bad sometimes. So... It's, you know, this push of still wanting to love Gaius, even though he's doing this thing that's terrible. But also, what do we say about Arthur here? Because she hasn't done anything, but privately practiced magic in the woods at night by herself, as far as he knows. And Gaius does say, I believe she's a threat to the kingdom. So it's not fully on Arthur, but I don't know. Sending a bunch of knights to chase her through the woods, I guess we're just supposed to think he's going with Gaius. But that's the part that I don't understand, because... The knights have chased people down in the woods for doing nothing. And I really don't know. I don't like that behavior. I don't think it's, I don't think that Arthur is taking this, obviously, the way he's supposed to. If people don't actively attack Camelot, they don't deserve to be persecuted. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I'm supposed to be glad, right? Because he's finally listening to Gaius without 
overly questioning and just listen to the man. So yes, again, we're in the evil Gwen territory where it's like, don't listen right now, but usually listen. And Gaius is acting out of a lot of fear and guilt. And that's why he's making a bad decision, which is all well written for a group of humans who make bad decisions sometimes out of negative places they're in. But I guess I have to hinge the entire not being mad at Arthur thing on just the sentence, I believe she's a threat to us from Gaius. But we don't want specifics. They haven't been attacked. Have they been attacked? Helva got attacked. The magical people got attacked. (laughs) Right. Arthur could have just asked, has she done something? Has she killed a knight? Has she killed a guard? Nothing. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird place to be in the story because we're pretty far in the show. And it's hard because we've been promised certain things. It really is. I guess I just have to go with it really is just Gaius has the credibility. But then bad on Gaius for just not further assessing whether she's a threat and basically sentencing her to death because what's going to happen? She's going to fight back because she's going to be scared of them, even if she didn't do anything. Yeah. The thing with Gaius is that because he's has a lot of guilt and a lot of fear, he already decided that she's bad in his head. It doesn't matter if she didn't do anything. Pretty yeah. much what we're doing to Mordred. We're trying really hard with Mordred. Look, we are trying really hard. And you know what? I'm abandoning that. Whatever. Die. Sooner than later. You know what? We're going to have to wait for that. You're right. It's, it is. It is this thing of Gaius is coming from this guilt-ridden place. So he makes a shitty, shitty decision. And that affects Arthur's decision-making. You know, there's also the fact that Gaius, what, doesn't know Merlin well enough? Merlin's 100% going to go and he's 100% going to be in danger because you sent people after her and he's going to be there. That part doesn't make any sense. We're like in a crucial moment here for Camelot and there's a whole Mordred thing. Mordred is in Camelot. He's a knight. He's next to Arthur at all times. You know, guys, you've been here with us for the whole thing. Why? Don't you just believe There's a lot of the times the guy's like, I 100% trust you that you're going to do the right thing. And it's so heartwarming. And in this time, and it's really because of his own guilt that blinds him, that he doesn't see that he should trust Merlin. Because he has trusted Merlin in hard situations before. He has said, I trust you to be able to choose to do the right thing or to do the best thing for Arthur and Camelot and the rest of us. I think it's hard for me because it does boil down to a couple of things. Gaius goes in there, makes a really bad decision because it's 100% fear and guilt. And those are bad motivators. But it is really hard after a string of episodes that Merlin continues to be right. Gaius continues to go with the fear route, continues to question him, or continues not even to go with the fear route. But there were so many episodes in in a row where Gaius says to Merlin, he's imagining things. He's not right. He's not right. He's not right. It's gaslighting. He ends up being right every time. And I'm just like, really? He doesn't even get to go find out whether she's good or bad. You're just going to like sentence her to death. Yeah, I disagree with this also. I'm with you. I I don't think it's a bad writing decision. I think I'm frustrated with the character. (laughs) Yes, I I agree with you. I think it's a very good writing decision because it's very human. And because I believe 100% that a person could do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just annoyed, obviously. <laughs> yeah, especially in overprotective mode, you get you make really crappy decisions for other people that you don't need to make. Absolutely. So over in the armory, Merlin's watching the knights be 12 years old as per usual, playing games. I like it. I don't mind it. It's nice to see them semi-happy half the time. So 
Arthur comes in, and this is where Bradley poked a huge hole. He comes in and grabs Mordred to have a little chat. And Bradley said, this is where I pulled Mordred over to the side to tell him to go do something. And later when he goes and does it, he's with you, meaning Rupert, who's in the commentary with him, Sir Leon. To which Bradley said, that makes no sense. If anyone is the person I'm going to tell, it's going to be Sir Leon. This kid is a teenager. You're in charge and my right-hand man. I should have told you, but it's being written this way because it's supposed to feel like there's a wedge between Merlin and Arthur and it's Mordred. And he's 100% right. I have that exact question in my notes. I'm a lot, I literally have, why the fuck is Arthur talking to Mordred? It's funny. I didn't think about it that way in the sense of, I did think about what the hell are they talking about, but I didn't really pay attention to the fact that Sir Leon was in the scenes with Mordred later. So it makes no sense for him to talk to Mordred. He should have talked to Sir Leon. He doesn't have, Mordred doesn't lead shit. He wouldn't lead anything. He just got here. It doesn't make any sense anyway. Even if he was Gwen or Percival, every I count all of the other knights above Mordred. Because he's a teenager. Yes, you can show potential. He is very young and you can show potential, yes. But you still have to be under somebody else's wing. And it's obviously Sir Leon first, who is very stern later in this episode. And I'm like, wow. Stern Leon. And all of the other knights after... I'm like, you shouldn't be talking to Mordred. Why are you doing this? I mean, I know what he's talking about, but the why, I'm like, I just, just didn't make any sense. I have it in my notes. I don't like it. This is one of those moments where the writers do a thing that doesn't necessarily make sense just to make us, just to tug at our heartstrings about something, just to be kind of twisting the knife about a thing. It's not 100% logical. It was just funny to hear Bradley call it out and be like, that makes no sense. It does not. It does not. It's very obvious that it makes no sense. It is what it is. Back home, pensive Merlin is not eating, which is never a good sign. Gaius is still kind of, this is for the best. I'm so glad you're not going out there. Just that more guilt tripping of you better make sure you don't go out there because you promised me you wouldn't go out there kind of energy. I mean, I can't imagine any viewer of this show, regular viewer doesn't know that Merlin's 100% going out there. Yes, Snoopy Merlin in the nighttime. Exactly. So nighttime comes, Merlin waits for guys to fall asleep. Of course, he's Snoopy Merlin. He goes over to air you. This location is so pretty. I can't. It's pretty at night. It's pretty during the day. I want to go there. I would shoot there. It's great. It is. When he arrives, oh, Finna bows to him and calls him great one. I love her. I love her. She's hard not to love. And also, this starts a path in this episode, continuing on the line of what's happened the past couple episodes where we've been talking so much about he's almost fully amorous now. He's almost more amorous than Merlin now. Yeah. There's a lot of integrating that in his interactions with Finna throughout the rest of this episode. Very difficult moments as amorous. The the obvious discomfort he feels with her kneeling in front of him and calling him great one right here and almost being taken aback and shocked. Yeah. Guess Gaius was super wrong, of course, duh. And she says, my master Alator. So now we know why she's there. She has a message, but who comes to ruin the day? Not Morgana. The knights are here to ruin the day. <laughs> For once, it's not Morgana. It's Mordred in overzealous mode running towards the temple ruins. <laughs> I guess I don't notice Surly on there because I notice how overzealous and excited Mordred's being about catching somebody. 
Merlin attacks them a bit and starts a huge, huge fire. Yes, I have fire in all caps. I wrote, you know, fire. You know, magic in fire. Hand in hand. Which we will get more into later because there's an absence of magical fire that needed to happen in this show. In this scene, though, did you think that maybe Mordred saw Merlin? Yes, I did, actually. Yeah, because he's really looking. He is really looking. And I'm like, he knows that one person is the person that they were supposed to look for. And I think that at this point, Mordred's not dumb. He connects the dots. Every single magical person that is here has some connection to Merlin because he knows that Merlin is magical. So it's so much easier for him to connect the dots that they were looking for one person in the woods and now they see two and the second one is Merlin. Not just connected to Merlin, he knows Merlin is Emrys. So he must know that people are seeking him out. Yes. But it works. The knights lose them. It makes me so sad when... Merlin is like, hey, go, run, I'll find you later. And I'm like, you're never going to find her. Don't let her go. Oh, he does find her. I'm already attached, so attached to this to this character now, Finna. It's immediate. It's immediate. It's so good. By the second that she bows down and says, great one, you're just like, okay, everybody back off. In fact, we're going to get into it in a minute, but first... Morgana's new castle over there. The bird arrives. Obviously, it was for Alator, and he's staying at Morgana's cells. And he gets the note. I do like the trick. Clever little writers. I do, too. I do, too. Back in Camelot, though, Arthur is laying into the knights for losing Finna. Holy shit. I mean, for the first time ever, because they have lost thousands of people. He's really pissed. This is like, we've seen... We've seen angry Arthur with Merlin a bunch, but there's always some tone of, I still care for you. I'm just super mad right now. But man, angry Arthur is angry. Yes. Arthur's like, you were, there was how many of you? Six. I'm like, yes, Arthur, but the person is magical. That's why you have a magical person on your side. So, you know, ugh, I'm so tired. <sighs> The only reason this didn't work out is because the magical person on your side was actually on their side this time when he attacked. That is true. <laughs> and he just wants them to go full force. For what, really? Again, this whole, oh, they attacked the knights. No, no, no. The knights attacked them and they fought back. It's really not a fair trial system here of like what sorcerers aren't allowed to do for self-defense. They didn't even fight back to hurt them. They fought back to be able to escape. And that's why I don't understand why you keep going back and persecuting these people. Leave them alone. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. Dude, she's kneeling in a temple ruin in the middle of the night. They just put a fire barrier so you wouldn't be able to cross it and continue after them. They, they didn't kill anybody. Everyone is alive. <sighs> and if you have magic and you not kill a person, it's pretty easy. The other person just has a sword. Max pretty easy we'll find out later and i have objections but we'll get there but first we go back home merlin is super mad at gaius this is an intense kind of mad at gaius oh my god it is we've only seen once or twice on the show maybe once i'm not sure we've ever seen it this bad i actually cried during this scene because richard wilson killed me first of all i love how mad colin is playing it but that controlled of i'm just pissed at you and i don't want to talk mad and 
poor guy says, how was I to know? And this hurts because he said, because I told you so, right? Like, it's not just, oh, you went behind my back and did a terrible thing and hurt my chances and she was a good person and now she's in danger, which is all bad stuff. But he didn't trust Merlin's assessment of her. That's the painful part. And at this point, again, need we harp on about the fact that he's always right? Why not trust him? Since when has he been bad at reading people? Never. Gaius has always trusted him. So I, it annoys me a little bit that it changed now. I do buy it, though. They gave me a good enough human reason. Not a reason reason, not a good yes. reason, but the, the fault of him. I believe where he messed up and why. And I think that they also gave us a good experience reason just not that long ago with the fake druid boy that was Morgana in the forest. And Merlin did almost die. That's a really good point. I kind of forgot about that. He does turn out good in the end, but you're right. He did make a bad judgment call. I think Merlin, if we say he's never wrong, he was kind of wrong at that point, but not in the sense of the boy's not really evil. He didn't even know what he was walking Merlin right, towards. Right. So reading people who they are inside, I don't really still don't think he's wrong. He wanted Morgana to be good. I guess there's a lot of circumstances there. But on the wider scale of how many times he's been wrong or right, I mean, why not trust him? True. Also, if she wanted to kill him, she would have just killed him the first time. You don't have to lure him over to the temple later. <laughs> it's all good. Anyway, I love this because Merlin's off to go save her. And he's so mad and he gets to the door. And the way Richard Wilson plays this scene, I just can't. He says, I acted like a foolish old man. And Merlin says, no, never that. He softens so much. And I couldn't really remember what he did in this scene at this point. But in my heart, I wanted him to go hug him. I was just like, go back and hug him, please. <laughs> the way that Richard Wilson's just standing in the middle of the room so sad. It's so, it makes me want to cry right now. It's so sad because Roman says, I have to go now. It's like, I understand we had this fight. It's not the best time for me to leave. I don't want to leave you alone because I know that you're feeling terrible. But I do have to go and do this. And Gaius just nods a little bit. And then he closes the door and comes and hugs. And oh, it kills me. Oh, my God. It's such a just nice relationship they've written. So good. It's a good moment to have in this episode because there's so much sadness. So getting that bit of love in there really is important to carry you through the rest of it. Because there's been so much loss too. I mean, we're a few episodes in a row of Merlin having to lose people he likes. Yes. And us too. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. I'm exhausted for the character of Merlin. He's got a really... Actually, it's in my next page of notes. My next page of the first line, it says, Merlin's life is exhausting. But we're not there yet. It's already exhausting, but we're just not there yet. So back at Morgana's new castle, she's still trying. Alator's still not giving in. And then the guy goes to check his cell. Okay, I needed the writers to figure out a new way for this one. This, this is painful. Bradley was saying he didn't swallow it. He's magical. He didn't set it on fire. Right, right. Throw it back out the window. Dude, do whatever. Don't leave it on the corner of your cell. 
I don't believe this. I don't believe for a second that Alator trained. Stuff it down your underwear. Don't just. Alator trained for his entire life to endure death and he forgot a fucking note. No, absolutely not. I'm sorry, writers. No, just no. Just no. No, no excuse. This, no. Someone should have run into the, should have seen him reading it, should have caught him, should have stopped him from destroying it. Should have been spying on Finna and just came back and be like, hey, I know, like, I know this person. She's working with him. Whatever it is. Or grab the raven before it got to Alatar. Read the note. Yes. Yes. Like, there's so many options here. And it's also bad because... Yes, Alator is magical. He can't set it on fire with his eyes. What are you talking about? Just rip it into little pieces. Literally put it in your mouth and eat it. I don't know what else to say. That's my first reaction is you didn't just swallow that. We've all seen spy movies. You just, you eat it. You want a note to disappear. You just eat it. Paper's not going to poison you. You're fine. I didn't, this one, I can't. I just can't do it. Oh, unforgivable and not okay. And no, just not. I'm glad Bradley's with us though. I'm glad too because somebody has to. This one, ugh, no, just I don't buy it for a second. When this stuff happens on a big TV show like this, the most egregious part of it all, you know how many times I've read this? Different people have given notes. Times this gets read and talked about before the day it films. Even on the day it films, you could change it. Like hundreds of times, hundreds, hundreds is in the case of the hundreds. So many times. And then there's even the case of realizing it on set that it doesn't work and rewriting it on the day. New pages on the day. Unforgivable that no one had the guts to be like, that makes no sense. (laughs) You know, even catch him trying to swallow the note and take it out of his mouth. I would buy that because I'm like, okay, he was going to destroy. Catch him trying to destroy it. This whatever no we're gonna skip over just go forward because i can't discuss this anymore it, it, it's really <laughs> painful and because it's really dumb so i can't do it because it's dumb and because how many people had the opportunity to make this different and they never and it, they didn't change they lost their opportunity forever and now i'm annoyed and i blame all of you people that did nothing about this scene i blame everybody on set i mean down to the runners people get coffee and no one was like this makes no sense this makes no Oh my god. Anyway. So bad. Morgana does something super shocking. She's finally learned to just kill someone fast. But they've introduced something that they've never introduced in this show before. Just killing someone with magic quickly snap their neck. There's no reason it shouldn't be possible. I just would never have chosen to do that. Because it brings into question why you would ever need to fight anyone. She could just snap the necks of a hundred men. Yeah. Um, I would have preferred that she killed him with some... With her hands, would like throw him on the wall. I mean, I understand that it's a stunt and then it would be much harder to do, but... A sword, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, I agree. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying once you make that decision, you've introduced a rule that that's possible. And then it always brings into question why not kill somebody that quick all the time. I feel like at this point, we're just three episodes from the end. They're like, we're going to introduce this idea and then we're going to finish. And then people can just think about it after. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't think this happens for the rest of the show. I believe it. I I believe it. Yeah, I understand. So then it's weird to do I, that. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just making up a story in my head. Because why wouldn't she just like stand around 
in disguise in Camelot, wait for Arthur to walk by and just snap his neck off. Like just be like, cheek. Like that like you're dead. Bye. Done. Finished. Uh let's go inside. <laughs> you assume it's not possible because it's never happened, right? Guys, if you if you haven't understood us yet, we think it's very important for a magical world rules. to have very specific rules that we can follow from the beginning to the very end of the show. And you can introduce new rules, but then you have to follow them and explain. The new rules that you introduce cannot go against the rules that you introduce in the beginning because then that's get really that gets really confusing. Oh my God, I was really in pain listening to an older commentary with Julian Capps where he said, that every year they redraw the maps a little bit to fudge them because they want to use a certain place and it's not where they need it to be for this season. If I were a showrunner, I would get in the way of production to be like, no, this is the map. This is where things are. Figure out some other way. (laughs) I would never allow a changing of a map because if you want to create a fantastical world, the way it's believable is to create rules. Right. It's the same thing that we have rules of nature. It, they're rules of magic. It's the same thing. You can't just be like... A, I mean, you can do anything. Yes. But anything has to have a rule. That's why episode one of this podcast, I said, not sure about introducing teleportation into this. Not a good idea. Because then why would anyone walk across the forest ever again who has magic? Why? And then you can't you can make the rule that magic, certain people can do certain things. Certain yeah. things. And other people... But that's doesn't seem like the case for this show but then it would have to be it's all about what you've learned right but you have i mean it has to be a little spelled out more you have to tell people like look this is why i just can't do that like merlin is the most powerful of all and he can't teleport as far as i know because he calls kilgar every time that he needs to fly <laughs> far distances so you know calls his sky pony <laughs> don't know he's got to call a sky pony to get places anyways yeah rules are important they are they are and it's not again they haven't broken a rule here but they've introduced a new one that's very dangerous to introduce because then you'd be like why doesn't she just do that then really that's the question in the scene like okay why is she trying so hard to kill arthur it seems pretty easy to kill someone <laughs> anyway moving on i can't undo that and it happened and it's fine uh poor alator is dead Oh, and that's sad because Alator is dead and I know I liked him. I liked him too. And he was faithful to the end. He really was. Even her Nether didn't work. So take that freaking bitch. <laughs> oh, you can't separate your mind from your mind. Well, watch me do it anyway. Okay. Ugh. Just can't stand when she kills a good character. Anyway, back in the forest, speaking of which, back in the forest... Finna's emblazoning trees with symbols and it's very cool and Merlin's looking everywhere for her and the knights are everywhere and this is really funny because I don't think it's expected that he gets caught and then gets stuck in a situation I mean the fuck were you doing squatting <laughs> next to a tree you're not hiding people can fucking see you yeah Percival I puts mean, so, it th- come on come on no absolutely not there he's literally fine with it squatting next to a tree and then it's like clop 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 the horses are there and they if they if they look left they're like oh look there merlin squatting next to a tree 
Also, is Percival fucking with him, though, because he's like acting as if he caught someone bad. And then he's like, oh, hi, Merlin. Who else dresses like that? It's the same outfit the whole time. Although I say that, I want to be very clear. I love that the Merlin getup is actually different pieces because sometimes the neckerchief is red and the shirt is blue and sometimes the shirt is purple and the neckerchief is red and it just keeps changing around he's got like a bunch of colors to match with the shirt and neckerchief but anyway on a serious note Percival's just messing with him I guess I don't know because there's no there's no not recognizing Merlin Sir Leon is and then Sir Leon gets very serious I've never seen him like this He's scary. Sir Leon is pretty, pretty mad. He's like, no, you're going to do what I tell you to do. He's almost like Lamia, Sir Leon, where you don't say things, I say things, and you do the things that I say. (laughs) Bad News Leon is actually Sir Stern, I guess. I don't know what's happening here. Maybe he just doesn't like getting yelled at by Arthur. I believe it, but if Merlin was just doing his job. Merlin's like, I gotta go now. Nope, nope. Now they're overprotective. Everyone drank their overprotective juice this week. Everyone is scared about nothing. They don't even know what they're scared about. Nobody did anything to you. You should be back in the castle living your life. Thank you very much. We have to hunt this very dangerous person who's done nothing to us that we can tell so far. We all know when the castle's under attack. No one's ever missed it. We're all here for it all the time. People breaking through the window in the middle of a feast. And it's like, we're going to pray real quick in the middle of the night. And people are like, no, go away. I took Gaius very seriously. I think she might be a danger to the kingdom. And now it's like, everyone has to hunt for this old lady. (laughs) Just let it go, guys. Let it go. I mean, yeah, they're out in full force. They're not even letting Merlin go home. Let it go. It's like, I'm pretty sure he could just walk home. She also hasn't killed anybody, has she? That's what I'm saying. They didn't, she didn't even hurt anyone. She just, just, they were like, gonna put some fire here so you guys can't cross this fire so we're gonna run away and that was it also they're pretty for real in this search party because they are camping out yeah they're not even going back home i don't even know how far they are from camelot right now not that far well they camp out which is their big mistake because merlin just waits for everyone to fall asleep he hasn't slept this whole episode it's fine he's a pro at this point it's just pointed out for the fact that he's got a real skill Skill number one, we're going to move the skills down again. Skill number one, not sleeping. Skill number two, snooping. Skill number three, dealing with Arthur. Skill number four, magic. You can all argue with my ranking on the internet. I think I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, someone fight me on it. Those are his skill levels. I mean, to do magic, you do have to be awake. So <laughs> you come at us, okay? And you do have to deal with Arthur first. Anyway, night comes. Merlin goes to sneak away with his sword. Let's not remember, let's not forget he's taking his sword with him for a very specific purpose later, but we don't even know why. No, I don't know why. You do notice it when he's leaving and Gaius is like, I'm sad. And he's holding a sword. You do notice it, but... He means business. Yeah, he means business. He's very serious about this. He's very serious. He's amorous. Mordred gets in his business on the way out of this camp and uh, gets super passive aggressive. First of all, I have in my notes, Jesus, so many questions. But then it ends on the note of he's perfectly nice and covers for Merlin. Just a total 180. He's like, never mind. I'm nice. I'm going to cover for you. You go. Don't worry. And then I finish with, oh my God, perfectly fine and weird all at the same time. 
The way Alex plays it, I just feel like he so badly wants to fit in with Arthur, with Merlin. Yes, he's very good. He plays it very well. He does. I really like it because at the same time that I look at him and in my head I say, I'm very suspicious about you. At the same time, I say, you're perfectly fine. He is because if you hadn't seen the vision, right? And you had to read all these scenes the way he plays him. He's overexcited. And, you know, think about any teenager who's around their idols and wants to be taken seriously and wants to be part of the club. It actually plays very natural and normal. Just like, please accept me. Please accept me. That's all I get from him in these scenes is this wide-eyed boy who's just like, please see me for being worth something. Trust me. Accept me. And yeah, he's perfectly fine. For now. Don't even get me started on that. We'll get there soon. Meanwhile, Morgana's picking up on the trail. Ugh. Merlin finds Finna. Yay. And she gets all master and bows. He goes, no, please stop. Please don't. And then some of the baddies find them. I guess this would be the Saxons. Yes. For a moment when they're getting launched backwards by Merlin and Finna's attack. I don't think they're dead yet because usually they die from the injuries of falling, I feel like. Because this has happened to Morgana and and Merlin dozens of times and they're alive. I would agree with that. Like the way Agravain didn't die on the first one. It's usually just hitting your head on the ground when you fall, I think. So for a second there, I was like, why doesn't Morgana just ask for a description of the guy who attacked them? And then she'll know who Emrys is. Just ask your henchman who keeps attacking them. But I, I get shut up later when it turns out they're all dead. But, uh, you know, Merlin gets an arrow in the side. Looks pretty serious. Yeah, it was pretty shocking when they show it. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that looks really bad. <laughs> it's like in his lung. Yeah, it's like your internal organs are definitely messed up. A hundred percent. So they're off to the watchtower. The dudes are dead. So my point is dead as well. This is sad because they get to this watchtower and this is where I start to get, I like Finna. Can we keep her even though I know where this is going 100%? Did you think she would die? Yes. I knew that she was going to die. Because you liked her. Yeah. That's correct. That's exactly why I knew that she was going to die. Actually, my notes say, can we keep her? Of course we can't. Anyway, this whole, you know, sad, pale Merlin thing is happening and he's talking to her on the spiral staircase about, have you been hunted before? And she just tells them, yeah, Uther before him and now Arthur. Am I imagining that there's a sadness in Merlin from there on in? When he's saying it won't always be like this, I don't get the feeling he believes it as much as he usually does. I I can feel a sadness in him and I didn't really think about that. I just thought that at that point I really thought that he was doubting himself. Yeah. He didn't know if he was going to survive to make that happen because apparently it's not going to just happen by itself. He is the one who has to make that happen. And it's very sad because when he asks her about the watchtower, she says, when you spend a lifetime running, you know all the places to hide. And that's really sad. It is sad. And you're right. He does say that he's, he honestly doesn't know how to do it. He doesn't know what he needs to do to make all of this happen. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's because I get really dowdy about all the knights and Arthur in this episode. And I'm reading into, okay, is it going to get better? Because look what you're doing. 
Oh, you're being hunted anyway. What the thing is, they said that when Arthur were king, things were going to change. Things are not changing. Things are the same. You're being hunted right now. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. I don't know, but I do feel a lot of this internalizing the Emrys persona happening in this episode between the two of them because she keeps deferring to him like he's the one. He's the chosen one. And he's just sitting here bleeding internally and externally, just trying to figure out how the hell he's going to do any of this. And it's like the third time he's almost been killed in a couple of weeks and it's exhausting. It is exhausting, mental, physically and mentally. Yeah. Uh, this is where Finna gives him, while he's delirious, this box. And he he's so delirious from this injury and the blood loss. I think he's just like, thank you. <laughs> He's like all smiley, like, ooh, a present. And gets told to guard it. It's important. Oh, and one more thing Alator said before I forget or die or something bad happens. Don't make the same mistake as Arthur. Do not trust the druid boy. Aha! We it's knew it. My notes say, aha! <laughs> you read my notes. We're on a roll today. We're in a row. We are. We're on the same exact page. So this is where I say, oh, poor Merlin, his life is exhausting, physically and emotionally. I mean, this is when Finna leads him to the roof and basically uses herself as bait to distract Morgana, kills herself. She's like, oh, I just need your sword real quick. Tells him it's been an honor and bows to him. Oh, my God. Yeah, that just broke me. It's been an honor of my life. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh my God, I love her so much. I wish that she was alive. She's not. She's dead. I did not know that she was going to do that. I thought that she was going to try to literally fight with a sword. I don't know why I thought that because she has magic, but. It's interesting because so much of this is his self-doubt right now. But mirrored with this person that has absolute belief in him. Oh my God, 100% sure. She's never doubted him for a second. Not even when he seems like he's dying. Yeah. He looks like he's bleeding out and dying, and there's this person still bowing to him. I mean, he hasn't experienced deference ever in his life, I don't think. Not to this level. A couple people have been, oh, Emrys, you're great. But she literally yes, is just bowing to him. And she's powerful in her own right. So to have someone who has their own power come to you and behave this way, he's really faced with someone who has belief in him. No questions. Which makes you face your own questions in yourself. Like, what am I doing? Look at her. And he also has this new struggle, like being around someone who reveres him. It comes at this moment where he's stepping into the Emrys role all of a sudden. And then he has to be faced with someone who reveres him, people who hunt him, and someone who's happy to die for him. That's a lot to take on to know that this is what it means to be Emrys. To be both hunted and revered. And people will die for you willingly. That's a lot to put on Merlin, who's already had a lot on him. It is definitely a lot. It's also a big change to accept your self-worth like that. Because he knows, and he has said it out loud. Lots of people have said it out loud in the show, but Merlin also. It's okay for the knights to die for Arthur. Like, they want to do that. That's their job. That's their life of service is for that, to be able to serve Arthur and maybe die for him and for Camelot. But I don't think 
he's fully there yet with knowing that he is worth that, that people, that it's okay for people to do that. And obviously, because he is a very loving and caring person, he doesn't believe that anyone should die for him and that everyone should survive and things could work, just could work out at the end. But yeah, it's a lot of doubt that he can do this. I can feel right now. Yeah, I can feel it. And I think it's, it was a brilliant way to write this part of the journey, his inner journey with her. I love, I love it. I love it. Yeah, to really put him face to face with what it's like to be Emrys. Because like we said, for two episodes, he's really becoming Emrys. And now this is what that means. Like Arthur always knew he'd be king, but now you are king and now people are dying for you, right? You get told you're going to be this version of yourself. It's going to carry power and responsibility. And then when it happens, are you ready for all the things that means? Yes, with great power comes great responsibility. We know that. Yeah. So Morgana and her henchmen arrive. She's very like, fuck you, Morgana, stabs herself. Morgana's a little bit disturbed. That I did not see coming. Yeah, and I feel maybe again, maybe it's me putting it on Katie's performance, but I really feel like Morgana's kind of disturbed if this is how far someone's willing to go for Emrys. Like how fucked she is right now. Yeah, definitely. Because she got to kill people, but she's never seen somebody so committed. Yeah. You know, you'd have to ask yourself who believes in Morgana enough to do that to themselves, to protect her. Mangravane's dead. He was the one. <laughs> Agravain. I was just going to say there was one person, Agravane, and you wasted that. Yeah, I think it's, again, scary for Merlin to have to accept this kind of reverence and belief, and then scary for Morgana to see this is how much people believe in Emrys. She just killed herself rather than just give up some information. Meanwhile, Merlin's totally dying on the roof. Another great performance by Colin Morgan of a person dying. Just saying. You know, the huge. The huge. He does the dragon lord call to Kilgara, but in a whisper of I'm losing my voice and I can't. Very good. And then Kilgara arrives and we get the most epic dragon in the full moon shot. We do. I just love that they went all the way with the cloud coming off the full moon and him being so lit up on the roof. They were like, it's fucking bright out here. The full moon is magic. It's full moon all the time. Bright white light. It's great. I loved it so much. It looked great. In the morning, Merlin is healed. Am I wrong? Have we never seen Kilgara in the daylight before? Look, for a l tiny second, I was like, that's what you look like? <laughs> I was like, is this a different dragon? It's. I'm trying to remember if we've ever really seen Kilgara in the daytime. I told myself, I was like, I think that we've never seen you during the day. So that's why it's different. It is. For good reasons. It's probably harder to animate him in daylight. Yeah, but I like it. I like the look. But season five. Season five budget. Money. It looks good. It's funny because I kind of have to take it on Merlin's word here that he looks bad. I was like, I can't tell. <laughs> he flies weird. And when he flew to get Merlin, I was like, that was weird. I'll believe you. You are the dragon expert for this show. Well, here's the thing about this whole Kilgar scene. This is when you texted me and quit again. Uh, well, you know, you didn't quit. This is when you texted me and preemptively quit if Kilgar dies and then asked me a question that I didn't answer. Here's the thing. You knew he was old. He's not dying because someone hurt him. He's just getting old. He's a thousand years old and that's how long they live. Yeah, but nobody told me that at the beginning of the show. 
He said I've been around for a thousand years. This made me cry. He goes, what am I going to do when you're gone? You will remember me. That is a heartbreak. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. That makes me cry. I want to cry right now. It's horrible. It walks me to the crying point by just starting with the Kilgar getting old and weak. So therefore getting softer. So when he says, I didn't think you were going to come. He says, I would never forsake you, young warlock. He doesn't get all bitchy about the I have to come. <laughs> and I'm very, I'm in the awe mode right there. And then we have the whole exchange. Colin's starting to cry. And it is hard because you, you get that really big gulp from him. He's totally freaked out. And when he says, what will I do without you? The line, you will remember me, is a heartbreaker. It really is. I'm literally crying as we speak right now. I'm getting pretty teary. It really is. And it's also on the level of having to watch Merlin react to that. Someone who's lost so much. Alator and Finn already died this episode. Yes. Everyone is dying. I mean, seriously, this poor character. It's a lot. Imagine having this life. Everyone who helps you dies. I mean, it's a miracle his mom is alive. Really, though? Only because she's far away. It's a miracle. But yeah, the Kilgar one is sad. And the right, I love the writers for writing that line. I'm sure it's been written before, that you will remember me line. But it still works so well. But I, yes, it does. I agree. Marlon gets back home. This scene is really pretty. I feel like there's really stark color in this. Like, it's not very bright. As bright as I'm used to seeing this show, it felt a little less color. It felt drab in like a very sharp kind of way. They open up the box that Merlin got from Vinna, and Gaius reads and translates the Katha words that she tried so hard to get to him. And Merlin even says, so many have suffered to get this to me. He has the weight of all of these people on his back and be like, now you go do the thing that we all died for you to be able to do. And that's pretty hard. We all died. Here's a box. And Gaius reads it. And he's so impatient. And Gaius is like, give me three seconds to read these little ticks on a paper. Let loose the hounds of war. Let the dread fire of the last priestess rain down from angry skies. For brother will slaughter brother. For friend will murder friend. As the great horns sound, a cold dawn at Camlan. A cold dawn at Camlan. The prophets do not lie. There, Arthur will meet his end upon that mighty plain. I'm going to stop there and let you react to this <laughs> prophecy. First of all, it is the vision that Morgana has had when she sees Emrys. And it's the vision that Merlin has had when he sees Mordred killing Arthur. So, you know, a fucking battle is going to happen. Whether we want it or not. And I'm just waiting to see how this happens. I mean, Camelot is how every Arthurian legend ends. And I guess we'll find out how this one plays out, but... That's a harsh thing for Merlin to hear after all that pain he's been through. And I love this exchange when Guy says, I think I know what's going through your mind. And it's what we were just, even before this point, it's already there for us from the audience standpoint of this person who's going through so much. And he says that your destiny is almost too much for one man to bear. I cried here. I just also love yeah. the way Colin plays this. He just kind of tilts his head and looks away for a second. And the way he sighs, yeah, you always did know me best guys and it's really to land it for anyone who hasn't gotten there through the whole episode and has just been seeing the action play out and didn't really get all analyze this like we did 
<laughs> and then you get here and you're like, oh man, this is a lot. <laughs> I mean, guys tries to make it better. There was never anyone more capable than you. You will not fail. I mean, guys, we need you back in this mode. In I trust you 100% mode because we can't afford to have you on the other side, okay? Yeah, Merlin doesn't need anyone's doubt. He's got its own his own doubt. And it's just so much. I mean, because how many episodes now? Six, seven episodes, guys, has been like, it's probably not what you think it is, that thing you saw. Like, it's fine. And now... Give this guy a chance. Give this kid a chance. He didn't do anything. Seeing, knowing are two different things we have to know for certain. I'm like, oh, come on. Plus, she said, Alator said, don't trust the Druid boy. So we all know what this prophecy is about. We, the audience, and now Gaius know that Merlin didn't misinterpret anything. He got exactly what he was supposed to get from where he got it. What's crazy is when this line happens, to me, it feels like that's where the episode's going to end. This show tends to end quiet in one of these moments. Yeah. So I wonder if you were surprised when the bells went off right then. I was. I thought that because usually a lot of the episodes also close with Gaius and Merlin. And this felt like a mm-hmm. like closure for the episode. They're back together. Guys is helping. He trusts Merlin. They're talking. Scene. The end. Scene. The end. Start the preview. Instead, the night's marching. And it's very scary because, uh, seriously, the, the coloring of this scene is different, I feel like. I mean, it's been a pretty gray episode. But there was something really stark about the scene between Merlin and and Gaius, and I feel like we're we're transitioning from what's been happening to a new story. It's all been a transition point to this, and now we're over the bridge on the other side, and the knights march in with this faceless knight, which is totally creepy. Whoever thought that up, thank you very much for my nightmares. Super creepy, and I was like, oh my god, who made this up? Who made this story? Who is... The crazy person who is looking on the internet for these things. I know. It is amazing. It's a good, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a good story. I love it, but it's very creepy. So creepy. And Arthur arrives and, you know, guys breaks it down. Powerful magic to which Mordred and Merlin throw glances at each other. Just real quick. Like, hey, someone said magic. Did you get that? And calls it the ultimate warning to Camelot. Morgana has declared war. If there was any, they don't really mince words at the end of this episode. They're like, here's a prophecy. Morgana's declaring war. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. It is very, that ending feels very, here we go. Last three episodes of Merlin. How bizarre. How bizarre. Also, this is where you texted me and said, and asked me a question I didn't answer. Do you think Arthur's going to die? Maybe because everyone keeps yelling, Arthur's going to die. No, I don't think so. But I, the question that I asked you is, Mordred is going to turn? Because I think that he, Mm. I don't think that Mordred will succeed. I think that he's going to try. And I think that that's the whole point. Right. Right. I mean, there's killing someone and there's trying to kill someone. I don't think there's any doubt in your heart that Mordred is going to try to kill Arthur. So what I assume is that when you when I see the flashes for the next week, there's not much that I can catch on. But I'm like, Mordred is going to turn on Merlin and Arthur because of his girlfriend. 
Next week I'm rolling. Stop. I can't. I hope that's not what it is. A girl. Well, first of all, that preview opens up something scary. Because talk about bad omens. It opens up with Mordred in the same spot that Morgana stood with the dragon wings behind him. Yes. Just saying, you take that as you will. How do you take that? I just don't know. Mordred is pretty pissed at Merlin because from what I understand, his girlfriend got caught and or I'm not sure she is going to get caught or Merlin told on her. It's somehow Merlin's fault, apparently. And that's bad. Yeah, he threatens Merlin. He threatens Merlin and all I wrote was, not so nice anymore, huh? Just turned pretty quickly. I never trusted you fully, Mordred. And then your other thing was Kilgara better not die. So now you're worried about Gaius Kilgara. You think Mordred's going to try to kill Arthur and fail. Anything else heading into the end of the series? I mean, at this point, I'm like, the very fucking last episode, Arthur is going to know that Merlin has magic. And that is already a mistake on my books. So we're already here. You think it's you think it's the last episode now? I don't know. It's too late already. I sent you a meme about how it's too late already. <laughs> it's too late. So that I'm just going to count as... You've got, you've got a 30% chance of guessing correctly. A 33.333 infinity percent chance of guessing correctly. What episode is Arthur going to find out about Merlin's magic? Oh my God. I think it's going to be the last one. Hmm. What about Gwen? It has to be second to last because I don't think it's going to be the next one. The next one's a Mordred tale, you think? I think it's very Mordred-centered because I think it's preparing us for the next two episodes where it's going to be very fucked up. I mean, you know this show. They write it the same way every season at this point. Not not the first season, but at this point we're in a cadence of the the third to last episode sets up the finale. And the finale is a two-parter. Yeah. I guess you'll find out soon. Are you worried about anyone else besides Kilgara and Gaius dying? I mean, I'm pretty sure that this friends are going to kill friends. It's, look, you knights, one of you are going to die. Not all of you are going to survive. Ooh, so there's three left of the three. Which one dies? Oh, my God. I want to say that it's Sir Leon, but I don't really think so. I really think it's Gwen because I think that they're <laughs> going to try to hurt Merlin as much as possible. So Gwen might die. You think the writers are just out to hurt Merlin? Yeah. Uh, clearly, they're out to hurt all of us because everyone that we like died, <laughs> died in this past three episodes. So I'm just, you know, writers, you did this yourself. I just assume the worst now. From now on, I just always assume the worst. But unlike Game of Thrones, they kind of held it a really long time. And it just like, they keep getting you attached to new characters and killing them, right? Yeah. So, and not for a very long time. I don't feel like we lost a lot of good characters through the years. I just think this latter half of season five is just a lot of death. Very dark. There's still a lot of people. <laughs> There's still a lot of people and there's apparently a huge battle that's going to involve literally everyone in if there wasn't a knight that was going to die, this friends being friends, friends killing friends line would not be in that little letter. It is for a specific reason. So does Morgana make it? Oh my God. If she makes it, what did I do? Why did I get myself into this podcast? Are you going to yell at me in the last episode? <laughs> yes, a lot. <laughs> I don't think she makes it. I think that she dies. Well, here's the real question. Is Merlin going to live? Oh, God, again, 
If he doesn't, what am I doing? Why did I, why did you make me start this podcast? I don't know though, because I also can see this whole thing of like Mart being a martyr and be like, yes, for you to be the king and for you to like, in my memory, have all of the magic be welcome now in Camelot, I have to die. I hope that doesn't come to this, but at this point, I, I'll believe anything. Well, on that cheery note of who's going to die in this disaster, <laughs> I have no choice. The show took us here. Talk about the writers doing something to us. Listen, I can only report on the news, and the news is everyone is up to die. Don't shoot the messenger. Honestly, it's hard to know that this is where it's going to end up when you see episode one. You're like, oh, this is like, fun. I'm going on an adventure. A jaunty adventure show. And then you're like, please let me quit. You get to quit in four episodes. Stay tuned to hear Mila quit at the end of the show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. See you guys. <laughs>